Welcome to Team Luke for Minds Podcast. On this show, our mission is to help families just like yours. We'll bring you inspiring stories from brain injury survivors, advice from health professionals, and much more to help make the recovery journey a little easier. If you or anyone you know has a, suffered from a brain injury, this show is for you. Hey everyone, welcome to the third episode of the Team Luke Hope for Minds podcast. I'm your host, Jared Samuels, and today I'm with my other host, Austin Morgan. I'm going to be interviewing him. So, how's it going today, Austin? It's going pretty good. A little bit on the tired side. A little bit? Well, sorry about that, but let's get right into it. So, can you give us sort of a timeline of your brain injury and kind of the story of, of what happened, really? So, I, um, I race dirt bikes, and... I went out and this was a, I think it was was Saturday or Sunday and basically I went out to go train and so a little backstory here, um, I was, so the the, um, series I raced in, it had the pro class and then went down from A, B, C and D. Well, I was in the A class, and I was about to move up to the pro, and then, so anyways, at this track, um, I went out to go ride, and some guy actually crashed before me. I don't remember what exactly happened, but I think he broke his, like, hip or pelvis, and so, you know, they're flying people off the course, everyone was rushing uh, over to him, so... Um, no one that kind of left the blind eye towards me. So, um, and this is during a practice run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then about, um, an eighth of the track later, um, there's this whoop section, which would be easier to look it up, but basically it's, you know, little hills about two or three feet high, but there's a bunch of them in a row and you're supposed to like wheelie across them. Um, whoops are a major hit or miss um type track type condition and i i, I missed it obviously um so i crashed in the whoop section the only person who saw my wreck was a seven-year-old little girl and i feel really bad because i'm pretty sure i scarred her because my mom actually went up and um, asked her what happened after and she said the bike ate me Oof. so I'm going to leave that up to your imaginations, but basically I had a uh, brain injury, which included a hemorrhage in my basal ganglia, which controls your uh, motor movements, and then you're also uh, your somatosensory cortex, which is like touch and stuff. Um, and then I had six other brain bleeds throughout, um, then I broke my back collarbone eye orbital and hand so luckily um i say luckily but the guy who crashed before me like they had an ambulance there for him by the time i wrecked so they're able to intimate me right away and then they flew me to brackenridge and they put me under a medically induced coma and then on the seventh day i started twitching my hands which my mom completely freaked out, so my mom's a nurse, so she kind of knew what, like, it's not supposed to happen anyways, and um, she rushed to the doctor, and um, 
the doctor didn't really have an answer either so they decided to wake me up and my journey began so for you does this happen just in a split second or do you realize like hey i'm falling off the bike or you just just a split second boom and then you know you wake up in the hospital or how how did that so memories work basically my memory shuts off about noon the day before and then it doesn't start back up till i think two months later give or take yeah it's so these this is all technically you know my parents words i'm relaying to y'all but um so uh 10th day at brackenridge they moved me from the uh, acute room to an intermediate care room and then I stayed there a total of two and a half weeks. And then I got moved to St. David's, Maine. And I stayed there for three months. So the best way to describe my injury was like hitting the reset button on your life. Um, I had to relearn how to walk. I had to relearn how to talk, eat. Um, I, I was basically back to zero years old. So I had a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, and two speech therapists. One speech therapist was to, you know, work on my enunciation and like speaking in terms of just you know, regular talking. And then the other was so apparently when you have a brain injury, your epiglottis don't work no more, which is basically the um wall that uh protects food from going into your, your lungs. lungs yeah and so they're worried about me you know eating and getting choking yeah and so but um yeah and then i spent three months at brackenridge or i mean at st david's so i spent three months at st david's and then i um i was finally medically stable but uh, they did not trust me to let me back out into the wild, so I got placed into a post-acute rehab center um, another three months. So there, um, it, was, it was actually a good thing that I went there because um, they had an eye therapist there. So because, like I said earlier, I uh, broke my eye orbital, um, I had double vision. So basically... Like, if I was talking to a friend, like, um, Jared here, so, like, you know, one eye would be looking at his face, and the other eye would be kind of, like, focused on his chest. Um, so, uh, but the vision therapist there helped work through it, and, and, you know, now I can have, yeah, I don't have any, um, vision issues, whatnot, and then, um, so, after three months, I... Got released from there. It was about Christmas time, so we went over to my sister's house, celebrated Christmas, and then I started outpatient rehab. So from January to the start of UT. At what point in the process did you realize maybe what happened, or did you, you realize yeah realize what happened to you and like where you were and how far you needed to go? So let's. It, it was interesting. So my first memory was um, 
I thought I was, um, you know, I was asleep and, you know, I was waking up. Um, but, you know, because I had double vision, like, my vision was skewed. Like, you can't really, like, even though you, know, you should be able to pick up two objects, two different objects, they, they're, it's all blurry. It's still very not accurate. And um, so I had that, and you know, I had no memory of the wreck. So, you know, I woke up, and I was in the hospital bed, and, you know, there are people in wheelchairs and stuff around me. And I was thinking, that's this must just be a bad dream so now i'm not sure so this this that uh thing happened about five different times um i don't know if it happened like you know once one day a week kind of like last little week or if i just kind of came in and out of consciousness you know five times throughout one day mm-hmm yeah, you know, it's it's hard to say, but that's my first memory. Hmm. Um. You, so you mentioned the double vision. You mentioned the injuries you had. What other deficits did you have after the TBI? So, um, I have spasticity, which spasticity. Can you explain what that is? Like, okay, so. In the hospital, I remember, you know, they're like, you have spasticity now. I was like, what is spasticity? And they were like, it's a constant contraction of your muscles. That was the definition I kept getting. Well, I wasn't like, you know, head over my you know, arm over my head, you know, nothing like that, which, you know, I was kind of thrown off by that quite. So, so I was like, I don't 100% believe you, actually. Um, it wasn't until I had my follow-up about a year later with my neurologist. Um, so I would always go in there with a piece of paper just stacked with questions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure his 10-20 you know, minute follow-up lasted like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Oops. Um, but you know, that was my first question. I was like, what is spasticity? And he was like, well, since you had your hemorrhage and your basal ganglia... Um, it basically uh, disconnected your neurons uh, to that part of your brain, and he's like, "However, it's not like completely gone. Like you know, you're obviously able to still move and work them." Um, but he was like, "Basically, it um, yeah. So like, spasticity. Basically, he um, he was like." You didn't lose the connections to your brain, or you lost to your brain, but you didn't lose the connection completely because you can still move and function your uh, body parts. He's like, basically, um, you know, now your spinal cord is in control of it. And I love this analogy. He was like, your spinal cord was like that C kid in high school. He didn't really quite know what to do, but he had to do it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Your muscles work antagonistically. So if you straighten your arm, your triceps activated and your biceps relaxed. If you bring it in, your biceps activated and your tricep relaxes. Well, for my injured arm, if you bring it in, you know, biceps activated, tricep relaxes, but you go and extend it out, the tricep is activated, but the bicep doesn't fully relax. And it's, so it's, it's trying to pull it, toward itself again 
and so does this happen with certain motions or with um like certain exercises or does this just happen randomly this this is like part of like it is a new definition of me like it okay it, like it's not like any i mean you know i i found that you know some days it you know may be better than others which you know that depends on a whole bunch of different factors and this is just your right side just my right side okay hmm would you say that you know, you, I want to go into some other deficits, but would you say this is the the most difficult one you've had to deal with so far? Um, that's the uh, the biggest physical deficit. Um, uh, another deficit that I've had was um, aphasia. So aphasia. So this re- relates back to my speaking abilities. Um, so. I spent two and a half weeks at Brackenridge and then, you know, three months at St. David's, Maine. It wasn't until about two months in St. David's before I actually ever spoke. Um, and so, but one of the deficits that was really hindering my, you know, everyday life at, in the hospital anyways, it's gotten a whole lot better, but um, is aphasia. So aphasia is... You know how sometimes you'll tell me a story and you just can't remember that one word? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's kind of what aphasia is, but aphasia, it, for me anyways, it happened like, you know, almost every sentence. Like, I would forget a word and like, you know, essentially my my mom became very good at this, but she like would always finish my sentences and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> but... Huh. Um, when you, do you remember, um, part of when you couldn't speak? Like, do you remember that time? And do you remember what that was like? Just for like, I, I never went through that. And I don't, I don't know how many people in our audience have gone through that. So I'm just curious. So no, I had, I was still unconscious. And then my, actually my mom and therapist were telling me, they're like, it was amazing because um, I had speech first thing in the morning. And so my therapist walked in. She was like, good morning, Austin. How are you doing today? And I was like, good morning. And both her and my mom were just like astounded. They're like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> is this magic? <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I still have no recollection of that memory. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, what they've seen. So like I, my, by the time my memory kicked in, I was already had some Talking, speaking level you yeah know? Hmm. um so what else have you overcome and what are you still working on you know as spasticity it seems like that's just going to be with you that's your new normal it sounds like but what what else have you been working on you know for me just knowing you all this time you ran a couple 5ks like you're overcoming it what what else have you overcome and, and what are you working on so i'm actually going to go back to spasticity real quick um my first follow-up with my neurologist i met up with him and he was like well you know you do your max amount of healing that first year but then you're going to be healing for the rest of your life now i was like okay i see positives and negatives to that positive i'm never gonna go down essentially 
I mean, that's another injury that's that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but then the other thing was, you know, if I'm constantly, you know, building myself, I'm never gonna reach the top. I'm never gonna be the peak of what I could have been. That makes sense. And so, um, so anyways, like you said, you know, a a good representation of how he says, you know, you'll be healing for life. So, actually, this time last year, so this would have been uh, four years out from my injury, um, I started to develop my sense of compassion back. I don't, honestly, I don't know, like, how, you know, your brain can, you know, re got that back but yeah so like it's slowly getting better and like so back to my spasticity um you say it's gonna be you know permanent and then you know i've talked to many professionals many doctors many um uh, professors they all kind of give the same answer of like obviously different answers but like you know it's all like it's gonna be kind of permanent well i i don't back down from challenges and so um so for example um my when i was in the post-cute rehab center they were like (coughs) don't work out your flexure muscles so essentially muscles that bring your body parts closer to the center um, they're like, don't work those flexure muscles out because that's where your spasticity is, and you know you're eventually going to kind of you know overpower your other your extender muscles, and then you know you'll be hindered even more. So I was like, okay. Um, so I just worked out my extender muscles for a long time. Um, although I did get some big traps, it didn't really like make a difference. So. I was like, I was just tired of, you know, waiting on, you know, nothing that was showing up. So I decided to start, you know, working, doing full body workouts and, you know, working on my flexure muscles. Um, it was weird. It was, it was interesting. Like, of course you get sore whenever you work out, but like, it was a different kind of sore. It was almost like a little bit more painful at first. Um, but Anyway, so I've been doing that, and um, like you said, I've been running 5Ks. Um, I'm just, like I said, I don't back down from challenges. I, you know, want to be back up to, you know, essentially 100%. So lifting weights and running, like, I've I still notice changes, uh, improvements within my body, within my ability to function and move uh, my arms and legs and stuff so you know it's it's a long ride it's um once you have a brain injury you you you're you're essentially running a marathon it's no longer a sprint Mm -hmm. it takes time but yeah i want to go back um real quick to something you mentioned earlier about getting your compassion back what, what exactly do you mean by that? Do you mean it just in a, a general sense of compassion towards others, or maybe you know, I'm just curious? So, okay, 
like I said before, you know, I hit the reset button on my life. So, right. you know, I essentially went back to zero. Well, that's not only just eating and stuff like that. Like, that's your... Because you know how, like, a little kid, um, they don't... What is this? Um, but, like... They're more like acting in their own self-interest. They're, they're acting in their own self-interest. Um, they're also very, like... I mean, just the attitudes, the different cognitive levels, like, you can see, you know, and a young one's gonna, you know, is young because he has the attributes of a kid versus an attributes of an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, I think it's just my brain is slowly starting to reconnect itself and allowing it to... um, uh, like develop basically and so it's um it's like develop the emotional capacity of an adult yeah yeah. okay it's like because honestly um with like memory or with anything with the brain like it's like you know i think the best way i can explain it is it's like your brain's a massive computer and then um so after the injury you essentially lost uh, some of your USB ports and stuff. Um, so as it's healing, you know, it's reconnecting the USB ports back in and, you know, just different, like, compassion, for example, and comes back and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about, you know, you don't back down from a challenge. Um, is that one of the biggest things that kept you fighting when things were were dark and were bleak? Or, like, what else played a role in your fight and your continued recovery so it was actually multiple steps um whenever i first became conscious i was so i've broken many bones before and you know you wait three months and you're healed and you move on with your life mm-hmm. um that's i mean they kind of told me, but I didn't really know what a brain injury was. And so I just assumed it was like, you know, another broken bone. You know, you wait three months and you're healed. You're done. You, let's go. Um, so at first it was like, you know, which scared everyone too. It was like, you know, I was ready to get back on a dirt bike, like in the hospital. Like I was like, I'm ready to get out of here, get back to riding again, whatnot. Um, and then, you know, after some time went by and I was like, okay, well, so obviously it's going to take a little bit longer than a broken bone. So then, um, it was, it was, it was that competitive edge that I had, like, it kind of kept pushing me forward. Like, so I remember my therapist, you know, though, so I had like an hour long session with them, you know. 45, 50 minutes would uh, end and they'd be like, okay, well, let's rest and like to heal, or sit down and break. And I was like, no, like let's keep going. So I went to the full hour mark that I could. Um, and then once it kind of, once I realized the deficits and the, the actual struggles and how things may or may not um, come back essentially um 
it was I had some like dark points don't get me wrong like um once you know in the hospital times and then you know once or twice out of the hospital um but like you know basically you know my advice would be to find something you are passionate about something that motivates you and then keep using that to you know push forward make the next step because I, I think brain injuries are an actual like healable thing mm-hmm. what role did your family play in this process so my mom she is a nurse <coughs> and she had some days off so she instantly took them off and she was you know you know, was it, um, cuddled up right next to me in, you know, Brackenridge and St. David's. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so she was there all the time. Um, like, my um, dad was mentioning, actually, he was like, you know, honestly, I don't think you'd be even in as good as a place if you didn't have your mom. Because, like, you know, in Brackenridge especially, you know, the little monitor, whatever, that keeps track of all the stuff yeah. would go off. Well, you know, you're in a cute section of Brackenridge. Like, it's a busy place, and, you know, sometimes people can't get there in time or not. Well, mom understood it all. She knew what it meant, so she can, like, help out whatever way she could. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, so she was all, like, you know, right next to me, like, all the whole way through, um, you know, when I finally moved to my post rehab center, um, you know, it was kind of like having a dorm, so she couldn't stay there. But, um, yeah, and then my dad, you know, someone's got to put food on the table. So my dad continued to work. Um, I saw him constantly, you know, come up and visit me. Um, but I know, you know, of course, I like to kind of compare So, like... Um, a brain injury is more than just the brain injury. Like, obviously, you know, I had my um, deficits and my um, ish, or my injury itself. However, like, it's a, a brain injury is a double-edged sword because it also affected both my parents. Like, you know, my father is uh, an attorney. Um, but after my injury, like we almost went into bankruptcy. Like, my dad just couldn't focus, couldn't stay on top of his work and stuff. Um, And my mom was obviously taking sick leave, whatnot. And so, it was was definitely hard, but... Right, so there's ancillary effects on the people around you. Yeah, Yeah, because even my... One of my good friends, Mason, he was was in college at the time, but, um, you know, first part of the injury happened in July... And he was there every day, and I, um, I know Brackenridge was packed when I was in there because, you know, I had, so it was a summer camp that I was a counselor at called Ryla, a Rotary Youth Leadership Award. Um, you know, every camper, every staff, you know, was, like, sitting there in the waiting room. Like, it was just packed, and, like, hmm. you know, 
eventually, you know, my, my mom kind of had to think of something for them to do. Yeah. And so essentially they started a GoFundMe page. They started, they made a t-shirt for me and then they, uh, connected up with someone who, uh, created a, uh, fundraiser for me. That's so, awesome. Yeah. It was very, but like, yeah. What role, like in terms of your recovery, did having that sports system play? Like in your mental state. Wait, hold on, say that again. Like for your personal mental state as you're going through this recovery process, what role did that support system help, and what role did that play for you? Well, actually, um, the support system—they it really kind of. I mean, again, like my memory didn't start back up till two months later. Right. By that time, everyone's off and back in college again. Um, right. So, but, you know, I still had, you know, family come see me and whatnot, but it was, it was, in a sense, it was kind of lonely, but however that, you know, gave me the drive and the focus, you know, there's no other distractions, basically, so I can only focus in, on healing myself. Mm-hmm. So we've covered on a couple of things, one of the, one of them being you mentioned uh, for people that are going patients going through this um one of them being finding a passion what other tips do you have uh for tbi patients and their families that are going through this process and going through this healing process find people that are close to you um this is an easier task than just stating that um really because people who um who are devoted to helping you or um, devoted to being by your side, trying to help you throughout the battle, um, they're going to be there for you. Um, you know, I had some friends who, I remember one, like, she came up to see me and she was obviously, like, almost, in a sense, scarred when she saw me and, she, like, she didn't want to so we almost kind of we never really like we used to be really close friends and we kind of actually almost broke it off like we're we're still i mean she's not like my enemy now like we'll text every now and then but she's very um distant um but yeah and so however like my friend mason you know we became really close and we were already close but he like you know, he helped me through my steps and healing process. And so it's, you know, find people that are close to you and that want to help you. And essentially, you know, in the process of wanting to do it, they also help you in any way they can. Um, another thing is um, read. So what did you have any difficulties with your reading? Um. No, not. I mean, I didn't start back up for a little while. But I'm a big uh, reader, um, so no, not not really. Um, I might have had difficulty jumping from one word to another for a period of time. Uh, now I'm fine. Okay, but yeah, like reading, like he said, like going from word to word, like that was a major struggle, and like you know. To read just a paragraph would take a couple minutes just mm-hmm. to get through it. And um, 
but I would say just keep reading. Um, I would say not only just yeah. So keep reading, you know, improve that. But then also like you know, essentially a quote that my dad used all the time was um, practice what you want to be good at. So, you know, for example, if you wanted to be a swimmer, you don't go out and jog, you go out and swim. Um, you know, if you want to heal your brain injury, you figure out what specific deficits you kind of, in a sense, break it down and then just focus on a few of them and then really try to improve that and then, you know, move on to the next thing that, because, yeah. Um, another thing... Apparently, you know, I don't know who decided to make it this way, but brains just happen to be expensive. I don't, (laughs) dumbfounding, like, you know, the organ that controls your whole body is so expensive, whatever. (laughs) But, um, no, so, like, definitely, um, because, like I said, my mom's a nurse, my dad's an attorney, and they almost went into bankruptcy, um, not like we were super rich, but still, it's good. Both got good paying <coughs> jobs, and so get help, find uh, foundations, um, anything that can you know help you you know create fundraisers. Um, like I said, we made a T-shirt and we sold those. Um, like GoFundMe, like just different avenues, definitely. Team Luke, Team Luke, hope for my, and then. You only have one chance to live, so make it count. That's great. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Team the Cover Minds podcast, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Team Luke Cover Minds podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website, teamlukecoverminds.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. See you all next time.